You are tuned in to the Fantasy Wire HQ podcast. We're a proud member of the Full-Time Fantasy Network. Check them out online at fulltimefantasy.com. Thanks for jumping on today. I'm your host, Frank B. You can follow me on Twitter at FantasyWireHQ. Bookmark the website, FantasyWireHQ.com. Just updated it with uh, Redraft and Dynasty rankings for the month of May. I do that every 30 days. I got to decompress a little bit between months here. But listen, I appreciate you guys listening. Be sure to subscribe wherever you're listening to the podcast. Give it a review, share it, all that good stuff. But today, the episode I wanted to record, I've been thinking about it for this past week, based off of Packers Twitter. (laughs) And it's been that bad. I wanted to get a perspective of a fan and just talk to somebody that is completely unrehearsed, unscripted, no takes, no edits. This is like a off the cuff kind of conversation. I'm at the bar talking Packers with somebody, right? So that was my goal. I put it out on Twitter. I had Brian Willis respond and say, Hey, I'm down. Let's do it. I said, Hey, I'll call you up. We'll have a conversation about an hour. We'll talk Packers. However, it turns out, it turns out no edits. Like I said, no takes, no nothing. Let's just talk team. See how we feel. I don't know what this guy's fandom's going to be, his opinions. Who knows? I've been listening to the radio here for the past week, and it's been god-awful. So we talked about uh, Packers' thoughts from last season, roster construction, the draft, what we thought was going to happen, how it played out, what we think for next season. We talked a little Lambeau Field experience stories. It was a really good conversation. I loved it. So let, let's give it a listen. Let me know what you think. And um, we'll definitely do this again. Like I said, this is something different. I want to continue to do it. There's not a lot that not there's not enough of it out there, to be honest, in uh, the Twitter world and the podcast world. So let's roll with it. Have fun with it. Give it a listen. And thank you for downloading. All right. Today I am joined by Brian Willis. You can find him on Twitter at real Brian Willis. Give him a follow. He'll always be more than welcome to talk Packers with you. And today, we are going to talk Packers off the cuff. Pretty hot topic lately, what do you say? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, Looks like we got the worst grade of any team in the draft, so. <laughs> we are failing miserably right now in Wisconsin. I mean, it is like a shitstorm. I don't... I, how long have you been a fan? Give me the rundown on your, your Packer fandom here. Sure. Um, I guess I would say I've been a fan since birth, but um, I guess... Uh, since I was able to understand football, I was I had it made. I mean, Brett Favre was my first quarterback, and Hell yeah. Aaron Rodgers was my second quarterback. So we've been pretty spoiled. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's why it's such a hot topic now with the quarterback because it's like you don't want to think about not having one as a Packer fan. You don't really know what it's like without one. I'm, I'm a fan. I, I don't know if you've heard or seen other pods <clears throat> that I'm on, but like, NFL teams. I grew up in Baltimore. I moved to Wisconsin right in 96, 97. I grew up okay. with the Colts, and then the Colts moved, so there was like no team in Baltimore. Most people jumped to be like Steeler fans, Eagles, Redskins, whatever, and I never really had a team. And back then, I mean, it was like Niners, Cowboys, and that's it. And then my right. uncle lived in Chicago, so he was a Bears fan. And then we'd catch Bears, Packers rivalry games on TV, and, um, I just kind of liked them from afar as a kid, you know, and then growing up, obviously, 
Um, Mikowski was, you know, Magic Mikowski was insane. But then Brett Favre was like a whole new realm. And he took over the league, you know, like Mahomes did. So you, you see Favre from afar, you know, in a different state. And I'm like, this guy is insane. I've got no team. The Ra- I move here. The Ravens pop up in 96. And then I'm like, sweet, I got the Ravens. Cool, okay. They had the most miserable Browns worthy, you know, string of quarterbacks for how many years? And so I kind of know what it's like, and it is a scary thing, and it sucks. It's god awful not to have a quarterback. So, like, any kind of QB, not a Green Bay Packer or a Green Bay Packer that sucks, is terrifying. It's terrifying. No, yeah, I, I, I understand how how lucky we've been so i kind of see the writing on the wall like you know i i look at my friends and my family and i'm just like you know we're we're in for some some rough years we, we can't have three straight stud quarterbacks there's no way no no it's if and if it does happen that's insane uh that's un- right it'll never happen again <laughs> it could never happen to another team let alone in the nfl just because of the parody isn't it's, it's crazy Right, I, I wouldn't mind being on that side of history, though. But yeah, I'm I'm mentally prepared. When we made the Jordan Love pick, um, just the fact that we moved up to get uh, what people would consider the fourth best quarterback in this draft, it's got the beginnings of just bad times ahead. I mean, it it could turn out being to be just fine, but the headlines are already there. Like people are already, you know, the T-shirts are ready to be printed that they moved up to get this guy who wasn't even the best quarterback in the draft. I'm, I'm just ready for, in the back of my mind, I'm ready for like some of the worst years. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to hard to say. Before we get into the draft stuff, and I know we're doing this all just unrehearsed, first take, no edits, but what, let's start at like last year. So the 2019 sure. season, this past season that we just watched, LaFleur comes in, and I don't know about you, but like the expectations for me were like, okay, we got a new coach. That offense needs some work. Rodgers has got to get dialed in. Anytime a team brings in a new coach, you know that offensive scheme's getting reworked. There's a lot to learn, a lot of bumps, kinks, rhythm and timing's not right. The chemistry's got to get built. So I did my expectations were like if they make the playoffs, cool. I don't think they're gonna be world beaters. If they could sneak in somehow, I'm cool with that. And if not, chalk it up to a rebuilding year. We watched it with uh, McCarthy when he came in for Sherm because that was like a four-win season, I think, that year. So yep. you kind of knew we might suck, buckle in, and see what happens. And then he bangs out one game away from the Super Bowl on top of the world. But how did you feel throughout the season watching this team? Because I couldn't make sense of how how do they keep winning. It, it was weird. Right. Well, on paper, we were one game one win away from the Super True, Bowl. True, yes, yes. But like, when you look back, when people Google this, it's just going to say, oh, the Packers were 13-3 and three, and they got beat by the 49ers, uh, one win away from the Super But realistically, when you dig into it during the season, it was horrible. Like, we, it was, we did make history. We were historically probably one of the luckiest teams to go 13-3 and three ever. Yeah, I just I, thought it was completely weird to watch. And, like, remember the Super Bowl year with all the injuries? What did we have, like, 13 starters off, you know, injured, not playing? And and at that time, you're like, no way they win. 
impossible. Not only are you climbing the biggest hill, right? Uphill to get to the play. You it's that many starters injured reserve. Right. I think, I think we had five or something on injured reserve, whatever the number, but at that time you're like, there's no way this can happen. And then it's the magic carpet ride as uh Steve Sparky Pfeiffer says, and it's like, boom, there's a Super Bowl. Wild card team wins it on the road. That was crazy. That, so I, it, it made me kind of feel like that because I'm like, what the hell am I watching? How do they keep winning? You're watching Rodgers hold on to the ball, home run ball, sacks. All, it's just, it was weird. Yeah, it was, that was an interesting run when that happened too. I mean, I still, I wish I, I wish we were stuck in 2010 because to, just to relive that would be <laughs> awesome. Even that that 10 win season felt more comfortable. That team felt more comfortable in the playoff run than the, the, the this last year's 13 and three season. It's yeah. weird. Yeah, offensively, absolutely. And then when it was defense, I could not imagine how that defense was going to hold up on the road in the playoffs against anybody and. And there they go. They win. So, I mean, the parody in the NFL is upside down. It's crazy. Any team can win at any time. And maybe that's what what happens week to week, any given Sunday kind of theory. But I thought 2019 for the Packers was just a just an odd one. And watching Rodgers, I think he's starting to get hurt more. I think, you know, the McCarthy thing was a little 50-50. How did you feel about that? With McCarthy, were you kind of 50-50 on each person blame? Was it all Rodgers? Do you think it was all McCarthy? What What are your thoughts as as far as that? Uh, it's 50-50. I mean, I my my personal personally my thoughts on McCarthy were we we kept him too long. I think we did the same thing with Dom Capers though too. Yeah. Um, we we kept him a couple years too long. McCarthy just a couple years too long. It it, it I don't know. I'm not really sure how that relationship between McCarthy and Rogers sort of dissolved. Um, especially after, I mean, you guys won a Super Bowl together. Right. Um, but it, it, you, it's got, you can't really blame anyone. There's no, it's rare when there's sort of a mutual parting of ways between a quarterback and a head coach. Um, like, I mean, Brady and Belichick, that, there wasn't much there for that. I think someday, just to sort of go off on a different tangent here. Sorry about that. Um, no, I'd someday say we're, I think, we're rolling. Someday, I think we're going to find out either Brady or Belichick. One of them's going to have a lot of dirt on all kinds of situations, and it's just all going to come out either in an interview or a book. Because there's got to be a lot, a lot there, especially with all the the cheating allegations and stuff like that. Um, but thankfully. We don't have situations like that in Green Bay. Um, McCarthy and Rodgers, it just sort of dissolved. Um, yeah, I thought it was 50 50 50 yeah. You could tell with McCarthy's play calling. I think at times, you know, the Super Bowl year, the offense was creative. It was different. The five-wide attack was cool. Right. Guys in motion, matchups. And then, the net, you know, a couple years later – you got those other tough losses and exits from playoffs and whatnot. And then it was just kind of like line up and, and run straight down the field, you know? And right. then does, it, it was like uninspired. Does it, does it look to you? Cause to me, I, I kept telling myself both of them, Rogers and McCarthy, it just looks like they got lazy. It just looks like they expected more from everybody else except themselves. 
Yeah, it was kind of like a win, win your matchup and we'll throw you the ball instead right. of let's scheme up a matchup and get you open or play to your strengths. Everybody's different kind of thing. And some of the home run ball, like when I'd watch Rogers, it, it didn't even really look like he would go through his progressions and he just pat the ball. Somebody's going to get open or they're not. And he's going to throw it away, take a sack, scramble and make a crazy play. It was like one of three things. And if you go back to the Super Bowl year or prior, you could kind of see him run through all of his progressions. He'd hit the guy that's open. He'd hit the underneath. Even if it's not the play he wanted, he'd take it. And this past year, especially too, you could just see guys open in the flat, underneath, coming across. Maybe it's not a first down. A lot of times it was, and he wouldn't take it. And that to right. me is, it's. I don't know if it's just blatant, like I want this home run ball. I want this big play. It's the hole in one type feeling, you know, golf shot. And that's, you got to imagine LaFleur is going, run what I told you to run. And this draft, now I think it's kind of evident, we're going to run LaFleur's system in here and we're getting players that we want to run it the way we want it run, more or less. Right. No, I agree. I Actually, I put out a tweet the other day, um, just my theory, a possible theory, on why we traded up for Jordan Love was um, Matt LaFleur last season calls into play. Aaron Rodgers changes that play. So this season, Matt LaFleur drafts a quarterback that'll run the plays that he calls in. Yeah, I so heard Aaron, so if Aaron doesn't want to, if Aaron wants to change the plays, then the floor's just going to roll with his own guy. Then, did you hear the Greg Cassell stuff on the radio about Rodgers and um, I'm trying to think how he was breaking it down? It was more, it was along those lines that he may have the freedom to change the play, but what Lafleur wants is take the check down, take that easy stuff. It's more the rhythm and the timing thing to set up later. And with Rodgers, it was all or nothing. And right. a few of the plays, too, off the field, I think it was the example they were given was like a third down. They had a punt. And then you could see Rodgers saying, like, what do you want me to do? And you could see LaFleur lipping, run the fucking play kind of thing yeah. or something. Oh, exactly. you know? yeah. it's, it, and it's stuff like that. So that's really got to get worked out. I hope coming in to this season now that you've got some tape, you've got a solid season of tape on on the offense, whether it was still a little bit of McCarthy and Rodgers and a little bit of LaFleur combined, because what did we hear last season? We're going to work together. We're going to do a little bit of what Aaron wants to do. We're going to do a little bit of what Matt wants to do. And then we're going to put it all together. Remember? And it was like, okay, all right, that, that seems doable. Right. And now yeah, this... all, all the, all the basic coach speak term, yeah. terminology. Yeah. Yep. And you could see some of the old stuff in there. I think for, for plays and whatnot. And you could see a little wrinkle of, of LaFleur too at times, but then this season, you know, he's going to go in and go, okay, all right, that was last year. This is what we've got to do to get over the hump. And it's, it's going to be all LaFleur's schemes and, and timing routes and, and little stuff. If you look at, in my opinion, if you look at the, the NFL, it's a copycat league and you can go back to when the wildcat was the hottest thing and everybody was copying it and trying to implement it into their offense. Right. What's the what's the hot stuff now? It's Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. It's the Niners and what um, Shanahan does. So if you don't have a Lamar Jackson, you're going to want to replicate what Shanahan does in San Francisco. I think what right you know, and this whole this this whole coaching tree right now is it's the McVeigh tree, isn't it? You know, with Shanahan and Forty Niners, Lafleur, Green Bay. You know the who's the other guy in Cincinnati? That's Zach. 
why am I having a brain fart of this guy's name? Um, they all came kind of off that McVeigh coaching tree, right? They all kind yep, of run the yep. similar concepts. So I think that's what they're they're wanting to do here is get that. Sh- and if you watch the 49ers offense, it's really it wasn't really anything special, but it was schemed up pretty nice. Think of Debo Samuel breaking all those big play runs and, you know, he takes something short, boom, he's to the house. You know, those kind of like scheme you open things concepts is what I think the Packers want to get to and what LaFleur's offense more or less plays like. Right, exactly. There, there was uh, all the parallels after the draft. All the parallels that were being drawn were to uh, Shanahan's offense and um, uh, installing the H back in there more often. That's why they drafted uh, uh, Degora and uh, uh, AJ Dillon. Yeah, and they're actually they 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 anticipate um, Sternberger playing the slot. Uh, here and there, um, Aaron Jones out wide while A.J. Dillon's in the backfield. Um, but, yeah, that's that's at least what people say is it's going to look a lot more like a Shanahan-style offense. Yep. So as far as, like, roster construction, I guess for the Packers, you come off the 19 season, and we all as fans play GM and say, all right, this is how I'm building the team. This is what I need to do. This is what we need to do to get over the hump. What were you – what were – you know, your opinion on roster constructions as far as how you would attack free agency, how you would attack the draft and the 2020 season. What was your opinion? Well, I think uh, as fans, we all thought it was pretty obvious. What yeah, they it was were consensus. The- <laughs> yeah, I mean, we needed uh, we needed a wide receiver, whether through the draft or free agency. We, uh, I think uh, plenty of people thought it would be Robbie Anderson, and that didn't happen. And then we got to the draft, and it's like, well, that's fine. There's plenty of big-time talent and wide receiver in this draft. Uh, the second we traded the second we traded up, I was like, you know, all right, there's decent wide receivers here, but I'm sure it's going to be a linebacker because Queen uh, was sitting right there. Um, and it wasn't Queen. <laughs> it was Jordan Love, as we now know. Uh, but it was, you know, wide receiver we needed, uh, linebacking help, and then um, a right tackle, yes. in my opinion. Yes. Uh, it didn't seem like those things were the, – the things that the fans thought we needed were not the same things that LaFleur either thought that we needed or were there at the picks that he had. Also, cornerback um, would have been a great addition in, in the draft. They, I couldn't believe they met with 11 rookie corners uh, pre-draft. That's the most out of any NFL team, and we didn't draft a single corner. Yeah, that's that's weird. Did they pick up any for like undrafted free agents? I, I looked at the list the other day, but I can't remember how many corners were on it. I wasn't. I I don't remember how many corners were on. I wasn't really looking for corners. I was looking for wide receivers. <laughs> I'm looking for a few different positions there. Yeah, yeah we I, did. I forgot it. I forgot his name, but we did sign a. I think one undrafted free agent wide receiver. Yeah, it was the CFL guy Bagleton, Reggie Bagleton. I've already forgotten his name. Um, somebody put tape of him from the CFL on Twitter and I retweeted okay. it. I retweeted it with like Rogers Bagleton 2020. And, uh, the guy looked pretty good. I mean, he got behind defenses on every damn play. It looked like he had some speed separation. I mean, caught, made some crazy catches. You never know. Maybe that's a guy that catches on in camp and gets into the preseason and makes some noise. Hopefully God, I hope Wait. so. It always seems like we roll into each season with like eight or nine wide receivers on the roster. 
Yeah, I'm the the wide receivers is confusing because the Packers are typically really good at developing wide receiver talent. So I I said it I had a podcast after the first round on Jordan Love because at first, you know, I'm like, what the hell are they doing? And then I try to think about it from like a more rational standpoint. And as a fan, I think I'm pretty level-headed. I don't go off the deep end. I don't, you know, it's not a conspiracy theory and all these crazy things about whatever, but I try to keep it pretty normal and try to think, okay, well, what were they thinking? And the only things I came up with, you know, for the Jordan Love pick was, did somebody spook them in a later round that they thought another team was going to move up and try to go after him? And that's why they wanted a leapfrog, what, three or four teams that weren't even going to take a quarterback to get Jordan Love. That, I, that was the only thing I could really think of at the time. And then for receivers, I said in the podcast, like, well, I'm not really that worried if if they didn't take a receiver first round. Like you said, if they would have took Queen, I'd have been more than content with that because all the receivers that have come through Green Bay, they're not top picks. I mean, they're second right. round Jordy Nelsons. And, but if you look back, I mean, all of them, all the way to Donald Driver and Billy Schrader. Elkhorn, Elkhorn State. Yeah, it's like all these guys came out of nowhere. And I remember a lot of those draft picks at the time. You're like, who in the hell? Greg Jennings, Western Michigan. Okay, yeah, Western Michigan's going to compete in the NFL. And we were all wrong. Right. But um, yeah. so like I felt pretty confident that – if we don't take a wide receiver, okay, we're going to grab one second, third round. So I wasn't too upset like with that. But then to not even take one at all, like, bummer. Why? <laughs> not yeah, one? No. It, uh, it was a big surprise. I, uh, I mean, as far as trading up in front of the teams that were there, you didn't know that maybe there was um, – some rumors as to another team trading up, you know, I mean, you can look at the teams that were after that pick and say, well, they went to taking a quarterback, but there could have been another team interested in trading up. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's what I was saying. Like uh, if the Colts were going to come back, cause I think the Colts Patriots were at the top of that second round. So if they, right, wanted to that, come, they wanted to come back in a la Baltimore last season and squeeze a quarterback at the end of the first, I think maybe they got wind of that, whether it was true or not, or if it happened at all, and they're like, oh, we got to make a move now because somebody's going to come and get him. That's the only thing I could think of. Right, right. And it, uh, the things the things that I heard were that it was the Patriots that were looking to move up to get Jordan Love. Yeah, it, they could have. And even, did, do you remember, like, Goody talking this offseason? Hey, I'll take a quarterback high. We're, if an inter, what, what was he saying? Like, if a quarterback falls to us, we will take him. And I mean, I yeah. took it. I took it like a grain of salt. I'm like, whatever, man. You always say that because you're yeah, always gonna take one. You're supposed to. You're supposed to say that. Yeah. You don't want to give up anything. I mean, I, I got a kick out of when they were panning around to each GM and stuff like that. Each head coach, supposedly Gruden, had his draft board. Yeah, did, that was hilarious. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't you couldn't see anything on it. I tried to find a picture where you could read any name, but you Gruden. Gruden, he's an interesting guy. He is. He's a goof. Yeah, so for me, like, roster construction, that's kind of how I felt heading into the draft. First round, if you take a linebacker there, I'm good with it. If Even if you took a tackle or somebody graded out, I, I'm good with that. Wide receiver would obviously be the shiny new toy, and then you come back to the second and third, pick up a receiver, pick up – just fill in holes. You know what I mean? You're just going to fill holes – take a best player available. I thought the draft was pretty good for receivers. 
offensive line guard stuff like that. I know they had a little run early, but I thought hell they could come back late, make some moves and pick. But I guess now that I look at it all on paper, it's complete. They want Swiss Army knife players for Matt Lafleur's offense, and I don't know if taking Jordan Love early pushed their board back and made it to where kind of I don't know I guess like a fantasy draft right you got players that you like you're in the middle of picking or something and then you're the picks that you want you're going to either have to reach for or you're going to have to get them late right so it's like did that maybe kind of happen to them depending on how their board was set up so they're like all right these are we're going to plug holes with what we want for next year the year after and start working it and cultivating it for 2020 that I don't know that was kind of the only, only other thought I had all right. I mean, if you want to go into like um, draft theories and stuff like that, um, my theory was that the, the Jordan Love pick. You're, cu- didn't you're cutting out a little wide bit. Receiver. You're cut. You're cutting out a little bit. It was like dead air. Huh. You in a good spot? Yeah. Okay, I got you now. You can let it rip. See if it keeps it. Okay. Uh, all right. Um, so as, as far as the draft goes, uh, my theory was that, you know, they moved up to get Jordan Love because there wasn't a wide receiver available in that in that range to help them win now. So they took a guy that would that would help them plan for the future. Um, and that real what that does is that puts the pressure on Rodgers more than anybody else. You know, if Rodgers fails. That's fine because we've got our guy for the future, and we didn't waste any capital on win now guys, um, because I guess Rodgers can't win now. So you know that's my theory on why they did that. And again with the AJ Dillon pick, same difference. Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams uh, are both free agents after this season. So if we can't, if they ask too much money, or if they stink it up this season, then we've got uh, Lafleur's guy, air quotes. Um, that helps us for the future. Yeah. So uh, although people might be surprised at how the draft went, I can kind of see why they did those things. It was, it, it looks like each pick was sort of plan B because talent wasn't where they want, where they thought it would be available at, or they didn't want to spend the capital to move up to get more talented guys. Yeah. I think trading up, not having that fourth round pick really kind of screwed things up. I, I just, I, they could have got Jordan love without moving up most likely. And if they would have had that fourth round pick, maybe that draft cleans up better and looks visually better on paper. But you're right. Now that you see it on paper and you're looking at all the spots, it's like, okay, that, I mean, the Packers are always going to build their team for the Packers, not for a player. And we clamored for you know randy moss when brett Favre was here god can you imagine if randy moss was green bay packer and Favre could throw to moss you know i mean there and there's countless other players along the way that as fans we've all been like sign this guy sign him do it now <laughs> this team is unstoppable yeah. if you get this guy and they never did so i mean they we know that uh, they're always going to do what's best for the packers everything else is secondary which is good you want an organization like that but overall it's you still want that win now mentality of let's put our chips in and make a move now. So yeah, when you look at it and your first three picks probably aren't even going to sniff 
a lot of game time immediately, that hurts as a fan. You're like, well, what, what's the point? We never look down the road too much, you know, fan wise, but right. looking at those three, it's like, damn, unless something catastrophic happens, they're probably going to be interchangeable pieces in different packages or late season, you know, AJ Dillon's in the, the lead is there. The game is in hand. It's fourth quarter. You're going to run the clock down. Jones is out. It's Dylan bulldozer time. Um, stuff, you know what I mean? Like plays like that, maybe Rogers, whatever, but take him out early if he's had a crazy game, but that's really all you're going to get for 2020. So with that, your 2020 expectations for this upcoming season, now that you've had some time to decompress and look at the rosters and draft. And what do you think the, uh, the team's going to look like, or how are they going to play here this upcoming season? Yeah. Uh, I mean, we're, we're coming off, like I said, the luckiest 13 and three season I've ever seen. I think it would be delusional to think that we could do that again, especially yeah. with, especially with not, in a lot of people's opinions, mine included, filling the holes that we think that we have. Uh, optimistically, I think our ceiling is 10 and 6. Um, and to, I mean, people always say 10 wins are, it's hard to do in the NFL. And it is. Um, I, I think second place in the division, probably to the Vikings. Um, really? Oh, yeah. Delvin, Delvin Cook, they, if the Vikings, if they call plays the way they should, which I think they know how to do by now. I I, I can see them going 11 and five and winning the division, but they don't have any DBs. I mean, they, I don't, it's not a problem. It, you just run the ball. That's all they do is run the ball. Yeah. And it doesn't okay. seem, it, 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 it hasn't been a problem. It doesn't seem like it will ever be a problem. Cause when I look at the Vikings, I'm like, I feel the same way. Like, yeah, they could steal the division, but they lost Limbaugh Joseph on the D line they have no corners and if there's enough time did um yeah anthony bars there who's the other guy daniel hunter is he gone didn't they lose somebody else oh everson griffin right that's who those who else they let go i thought uh is greenway greenway is still there i can't even remember jeez i just all the i get inundated with all these players movement but um the players they lost defensively i'm looking at it on paper and i'm like man if there's not enough pressure, the Packers, any team, is just going to light them up because what corners do they have to contend with? Devontae Adams, I know he's our number one. Chicago, Anthony Miller is a force. Detroit, Kenny Galladay. I mean, there's every team in the division's got enough firepower to get over bad DBs on the Vikings, I think. Now, if they, you're right, like you said, if they control the clock, Dalvin Cook, move the chains with Thielen and um, everything, they could they could control the clock enough into the game to seal a win, to steal a win. But I think if it gets into any kind of shootout type game, I don't think they're going to win. But it, it, it never seems to do that for the Vikings yeah. though. It never seems somehow <laughs> it, they control it and it never turns into a shoot. That's weird. I don't understand the Vikings. Cause the only, yeah, the only uh, other one was what last season with the 30 something to 30 game where they came at the end. That was early in the season. But yeah, I guess the Vikings would be a threat. I don't know how I feel about Chicago yet, to be honest. I haven't really put I don't know. I, mean, I haven't really put them under the microscope to think about like how close are they to because they won the division right this past season or no? No, we did. What am I no, thinking? 
The the um, Bears took last, I think. Yeah, or well, no, I, the Lions took last. Sorry. Yeah, so if the if the Bears can contend, you've got Bears, Vikings, Packers, the Lions are still a ways away. Head to head, God, you'd think the Packers just get the better of those matchups. Yeah, well, see, the Bears, when Nagy first got here, it scared me. Because yeah. also he he went out and got Trey Burton. They went out and got Khalil Mack. They, they started loading. And he's got all kinds of tools, offense, defense. We're going to get our butts kicked. But now I see who Matt Nagy truly is. Yeah. He's not a good coach. <laughs> that, no, uh, is it, uh, what's his name, uh, Pace, the GM? Yes. Is it Pace? Ryan, um, Ryan Pace, yep. And tight ends right now. They got a ton and of they, tight ends. And the contract that they gave Jimmy Graham is absurd. It's like, did you see what he just did on our team? Yeah, Pace has a connection with him from New Orleans days or something. So I don't know if the guy's thinking he's getting old school Jimmy Graham in. Is yeah, he, maybe he doesn't attend the Packer Bear games or something because it's pretty something. obvious that guy can do. I thought when they got him that that was going to be a big, big difference maker in the division because I thought Jimmy Graham would be more of like a hired gun type of free agent ad when they got him the first year. It was like, man. They don't need him to run down the field anymore, split the seam. They need him to get open in the end zone. He's 6'7", or whatever. He can ju- out-jump anybody, out-box him, throw him a fade, throw him, you know what I mean, scrambled plays with Rodgers. They can get right. him open in the end zone, and I figured that's where he's going to do the most damage. <laughs> it was way they, wrong. Yeah, they, Not even they, close. They, they moved on from Jordy Nelson, and they said, we vacated a lot of red zone targets. And they said, oh, there's Jimmy Graham. Let's 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 do it. And that's not no, it's not the same that, thing. <laughs> yeah, that was one of the most bizarre Packer free agent signings in quite a while because I know he's not that good. I'm not saying he's, you know, world beater Jimmy Graham anymore, but like I said, as a hired gun, he could come in to that offense and ma- he could have made a difference in the end zone for, you know, the inside the 20 type plays and he could have been a force, but right. Who knows? That's that was some weird stuff. The Packers and right. and tight ends. Maybe one day they get back to that tight end game with Jermichael Finley and you know the old days. But man, I I really miss it. Well, and that Jimmy Graham signing came right on the tails of not paying Jared Cook, right? Which was something else that blew my mind. It's like, why wouldn't we? We finally have a good tight end. Yeah, why pay him and pay? use him. Yeah. yeah, he was good. He I, he, that money would have been well spent keeping him. For what you got out of Graham. Right. (laughs) So, yeah, for me, for 2020, I don't, it's hard to say. I mean, there's so much parody. Anything can happen. We talked about that. But for the Packers, I think it's, it's really going to have to be Matt LaFleur reining in everybody, the whole offense to say, this is what we're doing. You've got to buy in. If you're not going to buy in now, there's a door kind of thing you know i think the first year is a is a little bit of leeway and now the second year is like okay this is where shit's getting real we need you to buy in we got it you may not aaron Rodgers. you may not like you know this underneath route or this check down or this three yard curl route the flat whatever you know this ain't your type of play but you got to take it the rhythm the whatever this plan is that he wants to run in these games to set up plays for later and run you know, home run shot plays out of 
different looks and formations, you got to buy in now. So I think this is the year. I, I'm pretty confident in Rodgers. I know everybody. Have you been listening to the radio around here or what? Do you listen? I don't know what sports stations you listen to. Uh, mostly just CBS Sports Radio. Do you? So that's like, yeah, that's like 107.5 up by you guys. Yeah, because like WDUZ Green Bay, my guy Marcus Eversall, I always listen to that show yeah, yep. late afternoon. And then um, Wendy's Big Show with Leroy Butler, Gary Ellerson, Sparky okay. Pfeiffer on um, Milwaukee. I love those guys on the Big Show. That's a good show. But the callers, Packers got the worst caller fans, man. They're terrible. They don't screen the calls good enough because they are the worst. And for as bad as Packers Twitter has been, the Packers radio locally has been absolutely god-awful. And the people that are calling these stations, you should hear just the warped stuff that comes out of their mouth for what they think. And they they wholeheartedly think this stuff. That's what's scary. That's what's scary. I cannot believe they think these things. One guy called and said, trade Aaron Rodgers today. <laughs> what are you talking or, or, about? I bet, somebody, I bet somebody probably called in and said that Aaron should just retire. Yeah, there's there's a million uh, of these. And there was another one, and they look so far into these like these feud kind of things. Like I feel like their life is so jacked up as a caller, whatever they got going on at home with their wives and kids or whatever, and they transfer and relate that into the Aaron Rodgers, Matt Lafleur butting heads storyline because then they're sitting there talking. Well, if he does, if he gets mad, he's gonna walk right out of that meeting room, and he's just <laughs> gonna throw his jersey on the floor and go home. Like, what? Are you yeah. <laughs> he ain't getting off of work with his lunch pail and coming home to his bratty kids. Listen, this is like a professional football player. They're all guys at heart. They're all human at heart. If it was any of us, yeah, we'd be upset at the time watching it on TV. And was he upset? Probably. Who wouldn't be? What quarterback wouldn't be? But I think when it comes time to walk in the door and start the 2020 season. He's going to be all in. He's a, he's a team. He is a team player. Is he a kind of little aloof at times and, you know, smart alecky chip on the shoulder, passive aggressive. Yeah. But he's a quarterback. That's how quarterbacks are. DBs are all DBs are cocky. They're arrogant. They got to be like that. They got to forget every play and they're the best. The next play is what matters. Not the one they just blew or, were made. I mean, it's it's just like the the football player type mentality. So I'm not worried that he's going to quit or he's going to not care. Or he's going to scream at Lafleur and not want to play for him. He's going to want to play. He's going to buy. He's, I think he's going to buy in more now than he was going to buy in with McCarthy if McCarthy would have stayed. Yeah, you think? exactly. All 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 these NFL players, they're professional football players. They understand that it's a business. They understand that Aaron Rodgers understands that he can't be the starting quarterback for the green Bay Packers for another 30 years. Like, and Aaron Rodgers of all, of all people, he's been Jordan love before. Yep. So yeah, it's, and then what, what people, I, I don't know if they don't understand it or if they just fail to acknowledge it, this, this coach quarterback butting head situation happens in 31 other. Oh Yeah. Um, Locker rooms. So it's this isn't something that just Lafleur and Rogers have going on. It's it goes on everywhere, and it it's not constant. It's not gonna make one of them walk out the door in the middle of a football game. Yeah, people. <laughs> it's crazy. People, people just need to re, they need to relax. 
Yeah, I I think he'll be all right. And like you said, the writing's on the wall for his own career. He's not an idiot, and he knows he's not going to play every year. He's already gone through coming in as as the Jordan love, and he's even told other uh, teammates. James Jones even came out and said it that he would never treat an incoming person the way he was treated in Green Bay. And I remember being at the Green Bay practices when the fans were booing him at the training camp. So he remembers that. He remembers everything. I don't think he's going to treat Jordan Love like crap. Is he going to go out of his way to, you know, hey, why don't you come over to my house tonight? We'll we'll study some film. I don't think he's going to do that. But if they're in the locker room, they're on the practice field, he needs help, he's talking to him. he wants to pick his brain, he's going to be all about it. But above and beyond, probably not. I wouldn't be. Most people probably wouldn't. But I don't right. think he's going to be a, you know, a total ass to him. So I think he'll he'll fall in line, and he know, like you said, he knows what his end of career window is, and he's not playing forever. He's got a couple years to go. His contract, I think, for twenty twenty two is kind of the year where the Packers could trade him if they wanted, or he could do whatever. He's got his money already, so it's not about give me more money. He wants another Super Bowl. Why not? Now there's. A year season's worth of film in this LaFleur offense that they can both sit down and Matt LaFleur can say, this is what I was trying to run when you did this. This is what I wanted. And then Aaron Rodgers can say, well, this is what I was looking for when you called this. They can work that stuff out. This is the whole offseason. They got the whole offseason to do that. Why, why are people so negative and think that they can't do that? When they can, there's no reason that they can't. They they both right. want it's, the same thing. So yeah, that's just, there's the same goal in mind here. There's they're not going to purposely not work work together. Like yeah. it'd just be a waste of both their times. You can't. Oh man. Yeah. Some so people. I, I think they can learn from each other. Rogers can get a better. I think he can get a better understanding now because everything is off of film. It's all game film. It's tape. It's the tape that you put together each game, and now maybe he can see more of what Matt LaFleur wants to do. Matt LaFleur can show him, you know, game to game to game to game, package to package, and say, this is what we were trying to roll out and set up for later. This is what I wanted you to do here. There's a good amount of learning and understanding that can happen this offseason. I think they can do it. They can come back. 2020 is, like you said, I I'm, I think I'm in line with you as far as like a 10 win is a is a ceiling season for them. Maybe it's a 9-7. and seven. Who knows? But... I don't think they're going to be god-awful. I don't think they're going to bomb. I mean, people are saying, they're only going to win like six games or four games. They're going to be just as bad as McCarthy's original, you know, rookie Jeez. season. And they're, it's like, no, they're not going to be that bad. They may, for as bad as they looked last year and as head scratcher, you know, we couldn't figure it out how they got that far. Who's to say they couldn't do that again? Who knows? Right. You never know. Every... What is it? Every every season for the playoffs, five of the teams that were there are no longer there the following year. And I think the right. average the average is three, but it's usually it can be up to five or something is the stat. So pull a couple teams out of there. Why couldn't they get a chance in the NFC to move in to one of those spots, even if they were falling out themselves? So I, th- I think they're all right. I'm not I'm not worried. I'm not going to be worried till you know, October, November, maybe, or something catastrophic happens, but. Right. And it's, for me, it's still, you, uh, it's the second year of LeFleur being here. You still have to give him yes. some That's room, big. some cushion here to, cause it's still, it didn't look like a complete 
um, dismantling and rebuild of the play calling and the offense. So I think there's going to be more of that this year and whether guys catch on and how quickly they catch on. I think there's still another grace, another season of grace period here. Yeah, a lot of people, I don't hear a lot of talk about that, and there should be more talk that this is LaFleur's second season, and there's it's room to grow. The the Ra- I, I do a lot of comparing to the Ravens because I watch both teams so close, and a lot of times they have some real similar things going on as an organization or things like that. And with Lamar Jackson, he gets drafted, and everybody's like, this guy sucks. He's another Michael Vick. He can't throw. <laughs> He's garbage, right? And now look at him, okay, but for the first year when he came in at the end of the season, yeah, he didn't look good, man. He could, <laughs> accuracy wasn't there. He could run. He could make plays. And everybody's like, we're never going to win anything. This sucks. Ravens fans are pretty bad, too. And, you know, nothing's going to happen with Lamar Jackson. It was a wasted pick. He's just another Michael Vick. And that they're pretty much writing him off. And it was like, hey, time out. This is his first season. He's got one, another full off season to get better. And then I think for... um offensively Greg Roman that was his first year because they booted Marty Morningwig out of the offense so it was Greg Roman's first year to implement a new offense so year one it's like give the guy time to grow in this offense you got to see what it's all about he's got to learn it he's got to execute it and then year two look what happens so it I, I see I don't see why that same thing can't happen to a veteran quarterback in Rodgers and do the same thing here a second second year in LaFleur system Everything should probably start clicking for Rodgers for as smart as he is now that he can see it, study it, live it, and learn it, and then go execute it. So I don't see, you know, the receivers are a concern, like more, but if if it really is all about these interchangeable, versatile players, moving them up, mismatches, like you said, um, Aaron Jones could be in the slot. Funches could go out in the slot. Sternberger could move over here. This tight end could go on the backfield, stuff like that. If there's more creativity than there was last year, that I think that's a factor in the Packers' advantage. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, it's funny, you, you bring up the slot position, and you were saying that um, uh, Marcus Eversall is a guy that you listen to. That's all he wanted out of this draft, Marcus Eversall, yep. was that stereotypical slot receiver. And every time he brought it up on the radio, I just, I wanted to slam my head into my steering wheel <laughs> because you look at some of the more successful slot receivers right now, and they're not they're not five ten six one guys. They're six two six three. So you don't need that's all he would say. He's like, oh, he's a short, fast guy. That's not it anymore. That that lasted that slot receiver stereotype lasted for like two or three seasons and it's over now it's just getting that mismatch out of that slot position well yeah that's everything. all it is anymore. yeah everything's you, bigger you, faster no matter you know across the board right everything. so i mean i i i didn't want them just to trade up to get a stereotype slot guy and that's <laughs> that's how the west welkers yeah the west welkers the yeah. amandolas right um, so when they, and then they started talking about running Sternberger out of the slot and, um, other guys, it seems like the slot position in a LeFleur offense is fluid and it's not one guy. So, yeah. Yeah. It could go any, either way. And I do like to see 
some creativity out of that position. And I'm really interested to see what they do. They've got to do something unique to keep defenses on their toes and get them mismatched because the NFL in general is, is crazy the way it changes, you know, downfield passing underneath. It's just season to season is so crazy the way it can change, but still stay the same. But as far as the offenses, the chess, the game of chess within the game is what I love. And I think that's, what's so interesting and the creativity that these coaches can come up with. Like even for the Ravens defensively, all they did was blitz Matt Judon. Nobody else could get home except him. (laughs) And it's like, how do you get one, not average linebacker, I think he's good, but prior to Wink Martindale taking over the defense, he didn't really do that much. But to scheme him into these plays and get him open and come up with ways to to get pressure from just him, that's the stuff that you can do offensively, defensively, with good players, with mediocre players, and and take the next step and turn into bigger things. So I think they can do it. I'm always, I always try to stay pretty positive for Packers and, and sports outlooks, you know, cause I don't, it, it's not worth putting it all at the end of the world and they're going to suck <laughs> and the season's right, exactly. over before it even starts. So I try to stay pretty positive and I, I'll try to look at like the what ifs, the reasonable what ifs, you know, and then take it from there. That's really all you can do. There's no sense yeah, in just drowning. Just it keep out. it real. Keep it real and stay calm. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on the the future season? So let's take a look at like maybe 2022. We said uh, Rodgers, that would be his kind of year where the team could move on if they wanted. He could get a trade if he wanted. He could play. I think he would be able to play 23 and then he's done, right? Because he's got four left. Yeah, in the contract. I believe he's got, it's a team out or a team option after the 2021 season. Yeah, I, I should look up that sport rack or spot rack whatever yeah um it's i'm pretty sure it's a team option after the 2021 season they would the packers would have to eat 17 mil um i think 2021 would be rogers last season honestly if if jordan love is the guy that they think he is a lot of people think that they just brought him in to put pressure on rogers but uh, i think he's more than that if he ends up being what LaFleur thinks he is, I think he's more than that. And I think 2021 is probably Rodgers last year as a Packer. Yeah, 21, It's it says here, is the potential out. 2022, he's got the four-year, 125, um, 2022 and 23. If he filled it out, he'd be on the books there. And then 24, he'd be um, unrestricted free agent. So it could go a couple different ways. But like the future of the Packers... The, I, what's your best bet scenario? Because I think mine, if you said, okay, what if everything went right and the way it should by the Packers? Vince Lombardi's looking down. He's putting his, his hand on the ref's heads. He's putting his hand on the team, right? He's. I think Aaron Rodgers wins the Super Bowl. He goes out on top like Elway. He walks off in that 20, 21 season, say, and that's it. They never even had to deal with this issue. It's over. Right. That would be the best. Right. Case. Yeah, what, that'd what, be the best. What do you think? What's a worst or maybe a a decent, doable middle of the road scenario? As or far a, as more, that, more after, realistic, maybe. Uh, how how Rogers career ends and, and with the Packers or just the state of the Packers. Kind of like what, what would happen? <clears throat> we keep obviously he's not going anywhere right now. So play right. out. 
make believe the next two seasons? How does it shake down? What could happen? Well, since I'm going off the perspective of, I think he's gone after the 2021 season. I'm thinking we go 10 and six this season, uh, 2020 season. And then um, 2021, I think it just either because of injury or because of mistakes, Jordan Love comes in and performs um, performs uh, at a, I don't know how to say it, performs well enough that LaFleur and Goody go, I mean, 17 mil to get rid of this contract. And we've got Jordan Love here who came in and did great. I mean, I think that would be it. 10 and 6 followed by a season where we probably go 10 and 6 again and probably Jordan Love does well in the playoffs but not well enough. Like something like that where Rodgers would have to lose his spot because of playing yeah. poorly or injury. Yeah, I would see the injury I think for me could be the more realistic play with whether they win the Super Bowl or not. Maybe it's that 2021 20, season that the injury bug comes or just the big injury comes and then that's it. And whether he comes back or not, you know, like you said, the team's just going to say, nah, we're good. We're all right. That's if Jordan Love development is on time because we thought Brett Hundley's development was on time. Because <laughs> <laughs> I like I like my quarterback room, right? I like the, I like the state of the room. room. We got a good room. And look what happened. That was terrible to watch that little stretch, man. That was god-awful. Deshaun Kaiser, same thing, you know. We signed him. We brought him in. He's learning. It's good. Nope, he didn't have it. So I still, I still can't believe Hunley and Kaiser. How do those guys not? How are they not that good? I don't. <laughs> I, I don't get it. I. Oh, that blows my mind. Like they weren't. I shouldn't even say that. How are they bad? I don't know. It's. It makes no sense. Kaiser, you could see it in Cleveland, and you could definitely give him a pass for what he had to endure there. But then when right. he when he comes to Green Bay, it's like, man, you got weapons. You got McCarthy. Say what you want about McCarthy, but I do think he is a quarterback whisperer. He he can get it done. I mean, what he did with Brett Favre was crazy to get those best years out of him. It's like, yeah, this guy can definitely do it. He doesn't have to be a world beater, but to come in and be an adequate back adequate backup, take the reins, hold the fort down, right? What Right. What would not happen out of out of that scenario? But man, that was terrible. So if Jordan Love's development is not on time, oh, we're gonna have problems. There's gonna be some problems. Yeah, unless I take another, unless I take another quarterback next draft. Yeah, I mean, twenty twenty one quarterback maybe. Yeah, no, it's if 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 we're gonna if if the Packers are gonna take that team option, um and move on from Rodgers from uh, in 2021 it 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 would have been because somehow some way Jordan Love got in got involved in games because you can't move on from Rodgers in 2021 if you haven't seen Jordan Love play in meaningful game situations in my yeah. opinion oh yeah couple injuries showcase him see what he does if he does well that you got some choices to make and then go from there and then with Rodgers, he would exit and whether he gets traded or he just is that's it where would he go so the teams down the road and i put it on twitter i was low-key thinking the bucks brady does two and he's done who's to say Rodgers doesn't go down there 
Yeah, who's to say it doesn't? Uh, (laughs) There's a lot of different teams he could go to, but if Arians is still there, if Brady wins down there, Super Bowl or not, he does his two and he's done. I don't know. I mean, look at it this way. Rogers' girlfriend, Danica Patrick, is a big Bears fan. We let Rogers walk after we just got done replacing him with a younger guy who's to say he doesn't go to Chicago. I, I don't want any of that border jumping. None of that. No Green Bay South. They take enough players. The Vikings hey, were on a run for how Roger, long? Rogers seems like that type of spiteful guy, though. Well, yeah. Oh, he could definitely do that. Definitely. He, he called Brett Favre up and say, Brett. How'd you do that again? How'd you work that? Yeah. God, yeah. And then you got Favre fanning the flames, just pouring (laughs) gas on the fire. And everybody, I don't know about you, but I don't take Brett Favre serious. The guy is a truck talk, truck window talker, truck door talker. I think I put it on Twitter. Like he's the farmer out in Rosendale talking about with the door wide open and his foot up on the rocker. Yeah, I guess uh, maybe, uh, yeah, whatever the flavor of the day is, is what Favre's all about. So, I mean, we know that. I think we pretty pretty much know that as a fan base here. The outside NFL fandom, I don't think they realize that. So with Favre spouting off about all this stuff, it's like, good God, I'm just cringing. Like, stop talking. You're you're just burying it here. You're you're making it harder for Rodgers to have to answer to this stuff. Because he hasn't he hasn't been in front of a mic yet, right? He he's been gone, so he's got he's gonna come back. And can you imagine how bad he is gonna get hammered on earlier in the offseason? Brett Favre said he spoke with you. He's gonna have to answer a hundred questions about this stuff. I can't. Right. I, mean, I feel bad for him because I, mean, I I wouldn't have the patience to deal with it. He's gone through it with the McCarthy rumors at the end of yeah. McCarthy's time there though too. So he's he's pretty good at deflecting. Yeah. He's prepared, but man, it's you could see you could see some major agitation from him last or with McCarthy's final season. He was getting so tired of answering those questions constantly every week. I'm surprised he hasn't made a statement or something now. Maybe I don't even think he could would need to do it via a media person or personnel or a Green Bay reporter. He could just put it out on Instagram or Twitter if he wanted, just saying, "Hey, I'm all about the Packers, whatever, however you want to say it, and just like close the book because he, yeah. I would want to as a player and just close it, get it over with, get everybody to move on, and then when the season does start up, I'm not going to be bombarded with that question over and over and over. Well, I mean, I mean it's going to be there, but not to the extent it would be if you don't say anything all off season. He did make statements prior to the draft, like regarding if something like this were to happen. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I don't know if. I don't know if he genuinely saw the writing on the wall or if he said, you know, we're getting close. I should probably, you know, address this before it actually happens. But he said, he's like, yeah, I mean, if they want to take a quarterback, I understand that. I mean, he's not going to, I'm still the starting quarterback. He's not going to beat me out for my job, but right. it's, yeah. I don't know. Well, before we go, let's do, um, let's do like your favorite Lambo experience. I imagine you've been there. Yep. I was going to say, think every Packer fan for the most part and people I think it's a misconception I did not grow up here I'm I don't know a lot of people but I guess I know enough that I can get tickets from people that don't want to go to the cold games and that's how I've gone pretty much to every Packer game I've ever gone to 
is okay. I know somebody that's got a season ticket. They're older and they say, we only go to games up till Thanksgiving and then we don't go anymore. Or it's not a matchup I want to go to. I'll sell them to you. And then I buy them. I don't care who they're playing. I want to go. So pretty every Packer game I've been to, that's how I went. So okay. I know people Let- are always saying, oh, the waiting list, you'll never get a ticket. You can get a ticket. Yeah, you can. There's a lot of scalpers out there. Yeah. Um, and plus, it's a cool experience. I mean, Lambeau's an awesome place. I don't really like – the benches are uncomfortable. Yes. Um, I don't really like that part, but uh, the atmosphere is awesome. Lambeau Field itself is just like in the middle of a neighborhood. Yeah. It's not like it's not like a downtown area or anything like that. Um, tailgating is probably in- probably more fun than going in and watching oh the game. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I'd go up just yeah. to tailgate and then hit the bar for the game. Really, right. I, that's yeah. that's totally it's worthwhile. Awesome. That's completely worthwhile. Right. So yeah, give me your um, your best experience up there. Anytime, any year, any game, whenever. Just the best one that you walked away and said that was probably the best time I've ever had at Lambeau. Sure. Um, uh, December twenty fourth, twenty sixteen. Um, I decided it'd be a cool thing for me to do to uh, buy some tickets and take my dad to a game. Yes. Um, yeah, it was uh, just a surprise thing that I decided to do for them. I mean, they've my parents have taken me to a game before, and I just just figured it'd be a cool deal. Uh, Packers played the Vikings at at Lambeau, and they won thirty eight to twenty five, and it was just really cool. It was a cool thing to share with my dad that uh, that I took him to a game for once. Yes, so I, no, nothing will ever beat that. That's awesome. That was um. Where were the seats? Where were you sitting at? Uh, we were probably about halfway up at the 35 yard line. So you could, there's, there, there isn't a bad seat in that place. I haven't sat in the, in the new edition and the newest part that's, you know, right below the, the clouds there. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I probably never will. <laughs> um, that, that kind of scares me that they keep adding seats on top of like the oldest football stadium, uh, in the universe. So, I think just a strong gust of wind is probably going to take those seats over the side <laughs> one day. I sat, I, I sat up there once. Like, yeah. Oh, I, I would not, if, even if someone gave me the tickets for free and the Super Bowl was at Lambeau field for some reason, I would, I couldn't do it. I, no? that's, that's too freaky. No, <laughs> it, the, the, it's so old and you keep putting more structure on top of it. That freaks me out. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah I, it's, they were, there's there's no bad seat in that place and these were really good seats and we had a lot of fun. That's awesome. Yeah, so cold wise, give me your your uh stay warm bundle. Cause you gotta go in there with gear, man. December. Yeah, no, for sure. Um I always wear my, you know, my long johns, my winter boots. I've got my uh overalls. The insulated overalls are probably the key. Yeah. The key part of yeah, the accessory. And then you've got the uh I don't have any of the cool fur, like the the badger skin hat or the fox skin hat or the rac- some guys have raccoon skin, some guys <laughs> even have skunk, skunk skin. I've got the the fake faux skin uh, fur hat, which which is good. It's got the little snap under the chin to keep it locked down. Um, but I think, man, every cold game I've ever went to, probably midway through, you don't even you don't even realize it. Yeah, how cold how cold it actually is. You got to gear up big time. And that's how I do long johns, jeans, 
I'll do wind pants on top of my jeans just in case it's windy. And then it's, you know, long john top, t-shirt, sweatshirt, winter coat, winter hat, and all the gear that I have, the only thing exposed is my hand because I'm always taking pictures and stuff. So by the end of the game, my hand is like purple, but I got to get those pictures, man. And video, (laughs) I love it, right? You can't, you can't not do that when you're in that place. And every seat, every seat is good. It does. That whole bowl, no matter where you sit is kick ass. It is. Right. I mean, you're, you're constantly bumping elbows with people, but it's worth it because of how close you are. And, and it's, and it's nobody there unless you're sitting next to like an unruly bears fan. There's yeah. nobody that's not a bad person to sit by there either. So yeah, it's pretty much the levels of drunkenness in your section and what your tolerance is to drunk people. So I've had guys like fall into me from behind and that sucks, man, because you're back. You're like, Pool? and you're leaning back. Yeah. There's beer all over you. They're laying in between the, the bench and the concrete. And they're like, Oh, help me up, man. Like it, and then I've sat in other sections where it's like completely cool. Nobody was unruly, nothing. It was, it was fine. But Green Bay, I mean, if you're an opposing fan, you can go in there and nobody messes with you. Really, it's, it's pretty. There's more beef with Viking fans and Bear fans than there is anybody else. I went to a Bills game. I think that was one of my first ones, and the guy had like the full chicken wing. How we, you know, Packers do the cheese heads. He had like the chicken wing phone okay big ass yep. thing and the bills scored a touchdown and he jumps up and waves this huge bills flag he's waving it talking all kinds of crap and i'm just sitting there you know it's one of my first games and i'm like nobody's saying anything to this guy <laughs> just sit down there geez okay all right you know and he sits down I'm like this is weird like that was i could not get over that when i when i moved up here and went to that game that was that was nuts i thought that was crazy but yeah every game is a good experience walking out between the uh the concrete when you go out and then the bowl opens up and then that whole vibe that's in the bowl the way that hits you and then everything visually everything to your ear is i can't even describe it it just gives you chills and it's not like any other team stadium or walkout anywhere i've ever been it's, it's just not. Right. It really isn't. Right. It's so cool. And then the vibe of the fans is is off the charts. It's a little cheesy. I think they need to upgrade their music and their stadium effects. I need some fresh music in there. Oh, yeah. ES, ESPN know, Jock Jams is not getting it done anymore. You got to yeah, upgrade you're right, it. You're right. You're right there. Yeah. I wish I wish they would hire me as a like stadium DJ and I could get the... <laughs> the right cuts in there to get the players amped up and the, the fans, that would be pretty cool. But yeah, other than that, that's honestly my only, only complaint. The best game that I went to was Ravens and Packers. That was a Monday nighter, same as you in December. I think it was early December. Um, and that was a Packers 27 Ravens 14 game Monday nighter at Lambeau. And I had, those were the only seats like the once in a lifetime seats at the end zone. And I slapped Jermichael Finley's helmet when he scored a touchdown and I stayed late. And when the Ravens players were walking back, I got Chris Carr's glove from the tunnel. I'm like, throw me up that glove. And he threw it. I'm like, don't drop it. I got it. (laughs) And I mean, that whole experience, like you said, the tailgating, there was a ton of Ravens fans there. I was really surprised. And they took over a lot of spots in the parking lot. I couldn't believe it. It was just the best game I've ever been to. My hand was completely numb 
from doing pictures all night. My wife was mad. She's like, can you just put a glove on? I can't. I got to get these pictures. I just can't. And we went with. This is football. Yeah, I got to do it. I'm in for the long haul. We went with like two other people. And um, man, it was so, so good. That was, I will never beat that experience ever. I think that, like it can never be replicated. <laughs> it was just a regular right. season game. Yeah. But man, that was like the the Super Bowl for me to go to that one. Especially on a prime. I've never been to a primetime game ever. So that was the first one at Lambeau, you know, under the lights. And that was so kick-ass. That was so cool. Awesome. Yeah, right. that's, that's got to be cool. That's probably on my bucket list to get end zone seats and be able to touch a player. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Which it's... sounds kind of creepy, but no. It's... <laughs> you ever see those? You ever... Somebody did a montage on Twitter a couple years ago of every Lambeau leap, like a cutaway picture, and then okay. in the picture, every player has a person's hand grabbing their junk. <laughs> so Wonderful. Like, you had like Donald Driver up there, hand on the junk. Another, you know, Adams, who else? Mon Green. It was, it was more from like the older uh, Farb era. But every okay. one of them had somebody's hand on their crotch. And I'm like, these freaking fans <laughs> are crazy, man. They're yeah, nuts. no kidding. It'd be They're interesting nuts. to like ask, ask, the, ask those players like, stuff like that like what's like the worst experience you've had oh like jumping in, and like what's what's your biggest fear about jumping in the stands stuff like that I know, well they always say the beer's getting spilled on them and that's a given oh, you know yeah. you know that's go that's happening yeah yeah i couldn't imagine jumping up there and somebody's grabbing me i'm like right oh <laughs> god i don't know if cup or not just still like whoa hey maybe, right, maybe that's why right they jump out so go. fast <laughs> jump right back out <laughs> absolutely all right. Well, hey, that was uh, pretty fun. I appreciate you coming on. The uh, the fandom perspective in a podcast. That's what that's what it's all about, man. I don't. We don't need scripts. We don't need rehearse. It's like a one take and go. That was tons of fun. Yeah, I had a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. So, all right. Listen, hey, follow on Twitter at real Brian Willis. You can follow me on Twitter at FantasyWireHQ, and we will do it again on the next QuickCast. Yeah, all right, this press conference is over. Go away. I no, it's over, Phil. Well, it's over. <laughs>